Try it. Dislike it. Try it again. Like it. Love it. Defend it. Justify it. Fight for it. Fiend for it. Do anything for it. Lose everything for it. Lose everyone because of it. Lose respect. Lose love. Lose education. Lose career. Lose opportunity. Lose jobs. Lose relationships. Lose love of self. Lose freedom. And ultimately, lose your life. Does this sound about right? There are a hundred reasons, literally, why people get high and drunk. And it doesn't stop there. Of the hundred reasons why we choose to get high and drunk, how many reasons could we come up with for not getting high? This is how I had to start thinking after a course of my life went in the negative direction and all the things that happened to me as a result of abusing drugs and alcohol. Recently, I had a conversation with a woman that's currently in a drug diversion class about bad habits. She asked me if I smoked. My response was, I don't. I started eliminating everything that was taken away from me before I could actually give to myself. Simply put, anything that was taken away from me. Think about it. Weed costs, cigarettes costs, alcohol costs, pills costs, lean costs, clubs costs, women costs, gas costs. All these things were literally taken away from me before I was even able to give to myself. And I desired it numb, we end up picking up all these bad habits that do nothing but take away from us. These explain the scripture, John 10.10, which says, The thief cometh not but to kill, still and destroy. The thief is the devil, and his desire is to get you hooked at a young age and make you a lifelong user. Stealing not only your livelihood, but also your source of strength. Having an addiction is like being injured over and over again, never being able to fully recover. It's like a deficit I talked about in the earlier podcast, always living from behind, unable to catch up. I've heard it said that addiction is like a hook in the soul that is nearly impossible to remove. Personally, I believe only the power of God can truly free a man from the power of addiction. Gateways. Gateways lead you to somewhere, right? But where though? Are we so eager to take a trip that we're not even asking where we're going? There are some trips I wish I never took. Some trips I wish I never went on. And some doors I wish I never went through. Have you ever wondered why they call it a trip? The definition is going from one place to another, a journey. Number two, to stumble and fall. Three, to overreact. Four, to hallucinate, meaning to affect the vision or imagery perception to make you see, hear, feel, or smell something that doesn't exist. High equals trip. Being high takes you on a trip. You were at one place, then you got high, and now you are somewhere else. It's elementary, right? The question you should be asking is, if I take this trip, where is this trip taking me? And is it taking me somewhere that I really want to be? What about this question? Is the trip taking me away from where I need to be? Is this trip taking me away from people I love? Or important things I need to do? And how much does this trip cost? No lie. 
Drugs will take you further than you want to go and will cost you more than you're willing to spend. It doesn't matter if the whole world normalizes it. You should stop and ask yourself why. Why is almost the entire world high? And I'm not just talking about weed. All drugs fall in the category of high. Lean, opiates, heroin, prescription pills, everything else. Hindsight is 2020, right? As the quote goes, and it's true. If we could turn back the hands of time, I'm sure there's a lot that we would change. I can't act like there aren't decisions that I wouldn't have made differently. It's normally not until you spiral out of control that you start to think and consider about changing. A few weeks ago, I was hanging out with my youngest two kids, and we were talking about the past. And my daughter, which is 16 now, she brought up a few occasions where me and all of the kids, we were together and how I would get pulled over by the police. Um, After checking my vehicle, as they do, because I have a record, uh, at one particular time, they found I was riding dirty. And because I had some pills in the car or something, right? So my daughter re- recalls how scared she was seeing the police take me away. And that kind of made me sad. And she said that of all things, she was worried about me. They remembered that all of the occasions that um, I had my run-ins with the law, right? And I remember in that time particular that I go to jail, I got bonded out. And they were all at my cousin's house and I just showed up. And how excited they were to see me um, being back home or whatnot. As we talked, I could see how my actions affected my children. And even though I'm in a better place and sober, I can't think just because I'm better now and I'm sober that my former lifestyle didn't hurt my kids and make them feel some type of way. So listen, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And I can't be so selfish to think that my decisions don't affect others that are in my life. Truth be told, our decisions either condone or condemn others' behavior. This is why when you no longer get high, the people who still get high start feeling different. Start feeling different towards you like you're trying to judge them. So you can either be celebrated by the group that condones your behavior or you can be celebrated by the group that condones your change. Just pick a group, right? As long as I was getting high... I couldn't see how badly my actions were hurting everyone that loved me. Even when they confronted me about my behavior, I just minimized it to the extent of using I would try to change the subject or cop an attitude trying to deflect the attention off of me. It didn't matter if I was doing it for fun or if I was just numbing my pain because as long as I was getting high, no matter what good I thought I was doing, my addiction was actually overriding my good. It was overshadowing the good things I was doing. So my addiction had me trying to overcompensate, overcompensate because of my own insecurity, because of my using. Right. And so addicts are insecure. You can show me access and I'll show you someone insecure. The insecure need attention. They need validation. They need love, even hate. Without it, they are not themselves. Do you see why addicts are insecure? They aren't themselves unless they're getting high. I talk to my daughter all the time and I I have her look at men and women, right? See men, tattoos, jewelry, money always hanging out, right? The most expensive shoes, cars, clothes. And I say, 
Now, why do you think they go to such an extent to be seen? You know, and she she'll give me her answers. And I'll tell her, I said, because that's the depths of their insecurity, meaning they need validation so bad that they have to look this way to present themselves in a way that they feel like they'll get the most acceptance. And it's the same way with women. When you see women who are always out naked, right? Chest out, behind out, the smallest clothes, always sexy, sexy, sexual. It's because of the lack of security that they have in themselves, that they have to go to this extent to feel secure, or they have to go to this extent to get validation. Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're so sexy. Oh, I want you so bad. It's to the depths of their insecurity that they're reaching so far and they're using their body to get that validation. And so when you're insecure, that means not on a firm foundation. So in order to be secure, you will um, adopt the world's norms, the things that people get their most attention doing, and you'll do that just to get that worldly validation, to get that attention. But a mature person will see that and say, this person is insecure because they need all of this validation just to feel right or just to feel normal, or just to feel accepted. But when you really know who you are, it's not because of what you own. It's not because the car you drive It's not because the clothes you wear It's not because the money that's in your pocket. When you know your true value and worth, you will evaluate yourself in terms of impact, meaning how am I impacting people? Meaning if my life was removed from my family or loved ones, how would that impact them? How valuable am I to them? How valuable am I to my relationships? I say it in my book, Honestly, Keys to Building Lasting Relationships. Be the type of person that people wouldn't want to live without. Meaning your impact is so great. Your value is so great in their life that they would not want to live without you. You mean so much to them. Your life means so much to them. You are so valuable that they wouldn't want to live without you. This is the type of value that God, only God can give. But he is so valuable that I wouldn't want to live my life without him. Right. If he didn't do what he done in my life then I wouldn't personally have any value and worth. And even the Bible says that if he would be willing to give up his own son for our sakes, which is his greatest treasure, then how much more would he be willing to do for us, right? And so we're so valuable to God. This is why he wants us to hear his voice. This is why he wants to... um for us to be forgiven of our sins. This is why he doesn't want us to live a life of addiction because our lives are really that valuable and he wants to add that value in our lives that we would be just as valuable in the lives of people that we're called to love. So you can never run away from yourself, okay? You can never run away from your problems that you face because you will eventually realize you're just trying to run away from you. And when you can't run away any longer, you'll try to run away within. 
Everything you do from that point will only be another attempt to run. When you're running from something that you perceive as painful, you simultaneously start running towards something else. It's like running into busy traffic from a little dog that you think would harm you. The traffic is the real danger, but your mind perceives the dog is a real danger. And you would rather get hit by a car than for this little dog to run up on you. It is so important that we learn how to process pain. If we never understand how to do this, we will constantly run from pain just to run right into a trap of more pain just prolonged by delay. Honestly, I believe that we do our children a disservice by trying to save them in every little situation. There are times when we as parents, we need to step in and intervene, but not in every situation. If we step in every time we debilitate our children from being able to make decisions through trial and error, failure and pain is a part of life and it teaches someone how to navigate when they're hurt and when they fail and it'll help them have a more realistic view of life. The problem with me was that I didn't have anybody, any adult to try to help me intervene in my situation and to help me navigate through life. And so both of my parents were in their own little world and my life was falling apart from the inside out. Okay, so if we were getting high or we are getting high because we're trying to numb pain, then the real problem is we need to figure out how to process pain. All right. We need some alternatives to how to respond to pain. Right. If we never understand how to do this, we'll constantly run from one pain to another trap of more pain, which is just prolonged or delayed. Honestly, I believe that we do our children disservice by trying to save them in every little situation. There are times when we as parents need to step in and intervene, but not in every situation. If we step in every time we debilitate our children from being able to make decisions through trial and error, failure and pain is a part of life and how someone learns to navigate when they are hurt or what they learn to do when they fail will help them have a more realistic view of life. Me personally, I didn't have anyone to help me navigate through life, especially in dealing with the pain I was suffering. When you're running from something that you perceive as painful, you simultaneously start running towards something else. It's like running in the busy traffic away from a little dog that you think is going to hurt you. The traffic is the real danger, but the mind perceives the dog is the real danger and would rather get hit by a car than for this little dog to run up on you. So the human brain responds identically to both real and unreal danger. This is called the fight or flight response, and it is a cause of a surge of adrenaline to assist you in either fighting or fleeing. There is an anxiety disorder that is created as a result of this fight or flight response when the fight or flight response is uh, triggered too easily or too frequently. This fight or flight response is triggered when we interpret a situation as being threatening. The results of the response depend on how we have learned to deal with threats as well as the innate fight or flight response program that is built into our brain. So every response to an incident 
or an event in our life is our expression towards it. So our expression is basically letting us know to what degree this event or incident is affecting us. All right. So the word expression, it's a three part word. Let me break it down. X means out of or out of a specific place or source. Press means to squeeze the juice or continent out of. It means to move by means of pressure or follow through a course of action. And shun, the suffix shun, means the act or process or the results of an act or process or a state of condition. So express means to make known. It means to force out. Okay, it means to be subject to a pressure as to extract something. So expression literally means to press out what's on the inside. And so when you have an expression, there is systems or programs built into your mind or your body's response to certain things that will press out what's on the inside. Follow me. So the look on your face, sad, happy, bored, amused, that's an expression. You getting angry, um, you smiling, you flirting, you um, getting depressed, you showing nonchalance. All these are expressions. It means to press out. The word expression is a is a Latin word meaning to press out. So the actor process or course of action of being squeezed until you reveal the source of what's on the inside of how you feel, how you think. This is what an expression is. And so every event or incident, when it causes you to respond a certain way, you're expressing what's on the inside. So in dealing in terms of processing pain. What we're looking for is what initial event or events took place to cause the pain and how did you respond to it? What did that pain lead you to do? A few podcasts ago, a few episodes ago, I made the statement. Who have you become because of your pain or because of your hurt? And so what we're looking for is the correlation between your hurt and what it led you to do. That's why I keep talking about the numbing process. When we don't want to feel there was initial hurt that made us feel some type of way and then our response to it. So the expression uh, is our response to the event that takes place. So we're looking for the triggers right now in order to help you identify and then initiate your fight. First, we have to establish um, being aware of things that take place in our lives that make us feel the way we feel that lead us to the actions that we commit to. And so in terms of drug abuse, there is initial hurt that takes place or there's initial event that takes place. And then as a result, our coping mechanism is what we pick up or what we use to numb. Understanding the triggers 
will begin to help you understand how to fight against these addictive behaviors, breaking these addictive behaviors and replacing them with more suitable habits. So this is a work that is established from the inside out. Okay, before you can establish external habits that'll be beneficial, you have to establish internal habits, right? The way you think, the way you respond to certain things, right? What's on the inside of you ultimately will manifest on the outside of you. And so your life is like a fruit. And what's established on the inside when you're squeezed by circumstance, when you're squeezed by events, what's on the inside of you will eventually come out. And if we establish good fruit or we establish good habits in our thought life, in our mentality, if we understand who we are and as a result, we think the way we think, that's our mentality then when it comes to being squeezed by circumstances and events, what will happen is the things, the virtues that are on the inside will leak out to the outside. Okay? It's like having faith. When you have faith established in your mindset that you're believing the best possible results will take place in your life, when circumstance squeezes you, You'll live like, you'll act like your expression will be a positive note. Your expression will be a smile. Your expression will be rejoicing. Your expression will be dedication. Your expression will be um, a strong morale. Your expression will be positive instead of falling apart, instead of getting mad, instead of being afraid, instead of falling off, instead of crumbling. When you have the fruit of the spirit, this is what the Bible says, love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When these things are established on the inside of you, when the circumstances on the outside of you are out of control or things are happening that you didn't anticipate or expect, the inner virtues when, when you're squeezed, these things will establish your steps. They'll establish your goings. They'll give you fortitude. They'll cause you to stand in the midst of circumstances. They'll give you a dedication to stick to your goals, to stick to your habits, because there's an expected end. And just because the circumstances around you are contrary to what you believe and expect out of life, you will have the resolve to be able to stand firm and stand um, in your commitments until you see the thing that you're expected, until you achieve the success that you believe that you will achieve. So in dealing in terms of pain, understand first, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to feel pain. That just means you're human. Second, if there's people that are afflicting you, if there's a source of your pain that's outside of yourself, it's okay to talk to somebody about it and possibly get out or away from the situation. Third, forgive quickly. Offenses will happen. Things will happen. People will piss you off. People will make you mad. People will make you sad. People will disappoint you. These are all parts of life. Your response 
is to forgive quickly. Why? Because God says if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. One. Two. Because if we don't forgive, if our response isn't forgive, then what will happen is we'll begin to meditate on the offense and bitterness will begin to take place. Anger, wrath will begin to be developed in our heart and in our mind. And then ultimately, it'll change the person that you are. It'll change the person that you are. Hurt will change you. Offense will change you. Bitterness will change you. And so our proper response is to forgive quick. Four, don't run and numb. A part of being self-aware is to understand where the pain is coming from. But don't run and numb. Don't create habits out of your pain. The best way to deal with your pain is not to numb it if it is to address it and then create healthy habits, things that make you happy and also a that are aligned with your goals. That's why forgiveness is important because forgiveness is ultimately letting go of it, giving it to God and keep pressing, keep moving, not letting these things rule in your mind and your heart. And when we run to numb, we are avoiding the reality of the hurt. When we run to numb, we're not taking responsibility for our part and how we're going to resolve this issue or this pain when we run the numb we're basically hiding we're basically avoiding we're basically deflecting and so instead of that a person with a strong resolve or want, wanting to build a strong resolve a person that will fight not hold on to their hurts but they'll give them over to God like I said and through this process these things will not destroy them these will actually make them stronger, make them more resolved, have them, they'll, their heart will be more sensitive. They will be more productive because they've chosen to create habits that will help navigate them to their goals. They won't allow these things to come in their lives and destroy them or to get them off their mark or to get them off their path or out of their lane. On the contrary, these things will actually help them navigate and focus even more. This is what we're trying to build. This is how we fight for our lives. This is how we acknowledge, right? Identify, fight, and initiate. We're taking a proactive stance when hurt takes place. They will develop strong, healthy habits to keep them in line with their goals and accomplishments in life. They will be quick to give these things over to God. They will take full responsibility of their part to play.